Hello and welcome to the 42 Six Nations podcast. We're joined this week by Trevor Hogan as we reflect on Ireland's campaign and look forward to the tour of South Africa in June. We're going to talk a bit about the defence, we're going to look at Ireland's carry and their set piece and we're going to look ahead to the selection decisions for Schmidt this summer. Trevor, thanks for coming in. I mean, what's your impression of this campaign overall, looking back now, they've had two wins, a draw, two defeats. They scored plenty of tries, they probably conceded too, too many, but, but what's your big takeaway? Yeah, I th- it's fairly solid. I think there's 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 some amount of negativity going around that I can't I couldn't really get my head around. Um, and on reflection, I still think there's lots lots of positives there. I suppose it, a lot of it depends on your own personal natural perspective whether you're going to look for negatives. But you know, to only barely lose to France, that was the game that really probably on reflection cost the opportunity to have the momentum to be really challenging and and. You know, there was really small margins that were in it and it's a lot of it down to scrum and maybe set piece and there's a lot of hysteria around offloading at times, which I don't think is the actual issue. It's much more nuanced than that and there's more specifics that they can look at to fix, especially going into South Africa. Yeah, I actually think the offloading issue is, is probably overblown a little bit. England actually didn't offload a lot. Yeah. I actually thought the way they went about winning the Grand Slam uh, kind of echoed what Joe Schmidt did in his first year with Ireland. Real solid defensive, yeah. keep the ball, kick really well. And they probably probably were the deserving Grand Slam winners, you think? Oh, like definitely, yeah. They just they were they were lethal in attack, and, but they weren't doing mass. They, they weren't doing anything that's different much to what Ireland are doing. Mm. Billy Vinopola, Danny Kerr, real high tempo. Um, Watson, obviously, lethal finisher. Uh, just small things that were different, but the scrum and the set piece for me was was cr- crucial in the early games and possibly some things in defence that we'll probably look at in a minute. Yeah, like, let's dive straight in there. Andy Farrell's coming in, his contract starts on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. I thought it was a joke actually from the Ireland management at first, they were kind of laughing about it. He's finished with Munster, I, I, I don't know what exactly he did down there, but didn't seem to affect the results too much. But he comes in with a really strong reputation. There are issues, I don't know if that's the right word, there are little things that he needs to fix. And we're going to look maybe at the try that Scotland scored through Richie Gray here. Uh, yeah. They beat Ireland over to the opposite side of the pitch and they came back. Um, and Laidlaw hit Weir, and it was Rory Best set up here initially. It was Andrew Trimble coming across to actually fill the line. I don't know if the communication was really mm. strong there because Rory Best shoots up here on Weir, and straight away, Gray can just go straight into that gap. Now, ideally, you'd probably have, be- uh, have Best shooting up on Gray, Trimble up here, and Jared Payne closing off here. And then it makes it a really difficult pass, or yeah. two passes, to actually get out to the outside edge. Now, they had a big overlap, but, but still, you, you want to manage those situations better. Uh, just chatting to you beforehand, you thought maybe Ireland committed too much to that I- initial rock. Yeah, I think we kind of sometimes tend to panic, you know, or maybe there's just even a lack of chat about how hard we commit to this rock. Y- you know, it's really crucial that you keep your scanning and, and your spacing right when you are under pressure and you're close to the line like that, because every body will count. And I think we saw Trimble really working hard. The, et- the work ethic and the re- work rate is massive. Like the likes of Trimble and Earls, they were, Trimble worked really hard to get around but I think it was Earls committed hard to try and get the counter rook, and we committed an extra about four or five bodies yeah. in to try and to barge that, which I know Joe Schmidt puts a lot of emphasis on. But if you do that, you're just going to be hurt out wide. And, and even at, before that, we had like four guys inside the first receiver, so they were taken out fairly quickly. So just it's how we manage the numbers and being clever in how we identify who's going into the rook who's going to counter and just getting our spacing right off that because it can be easy to kind of blame Rory Best there. You know, he probably should have stayed straight and for, like yeah. you're saying, force them. But if there's, if there's so many bodies in there, we're, we're, going, to be, we're going to be under serious pressure if we're not yeah, he's, chatting. He's in an awful position, Rory Best. Mm. You kind of feel from there. 
but that commitment to the ruck, like it, it didn't just happen against Scotland. We, we can pick out these little things and say, oh, look, it's just an isolated incident. But that actually happened against Wales in the first game, yeah. where they almost scored in the outside edge, and Andrew Trimble made a try saving tackle. Guys hammering into that ruck. Is it about just maybe, and maybe Andy Farrell will bring this, and more of awareness maybe of, okay, let's really identify our opportunity here? Yeah, I think so. And it's just about being cool under pressure that, you know, the, the urgency is great, and he'll be hugely positive with the attitude. To, to disrupt their ball, to get up off your feet and to commit. But it's, it, it's happening a few times where we are, we are scrambling and we're, work, we're working hard to try and st stop it at source at the rook, but it's costing us out wide. And the better teams will be able to shift that ball a lot quicker, maybe even than Scotland were able to do there. And like, like Argentina did, if we don't have our heads up and scan, I think that's the first thing Farrell will be, will be talking about. We did look really quiet there as well during mm. that phase. Now, we were sucking diesel, but it looked like everyone had their heads down or were looking in at the ruck. Just a little bit of chat is, is massive there, and it just gets lads to push out, give yourself that half a yard extra, and then you can maybe force them to, to go right to the edge. Yeah. One extra guy, and then Payne's yeah. in here. you got one extra body in the middle. And then you can actually hammer and blitz up and yeah. actually make a difference because Payne can get up and cover that passing behind to Stuart Hall. Exactly, and you were mentioning that one again that Trimble did and, and I think Earls did one as well against Wales early on. They, they were able to read that. We have some really good defensive reads, especially with Jared Payne. You know, the ability to smash and to identify when it's coming, when it's on to go hard. You know, have the confidence in the lads to do that and not overcommit there to, the, to get in the barge. Yeah, like it's, it's happened out, out the pitch as well a little bit, I think. There was one really good example in, in the second half where Jared mm. Payne shot up out of the line actually and he smashed Duncan Weir ball and all yeah. uh, on one of those kind of screen plays but that only happened because Ireland actually had their numbers they had numbered up really well a few guys had come over yeah. uh, folded over from the other side of the ruck but that again it doesn't seem to be a really consistent aspect of their play that they are numbering up really well and, and this actually goes back to Les Kiss I remember during the World Cup he said look sometimes we're not numbering up guys maybe don't have their heads up so yeah. I think for Andy Farrell coming in that's, that's the big work on yeah, definitely. And but it's it's great to have that, you know, that attitude that's there. It's just it's it's happening quite often. And I suppose losing Les Kiss, I thought that Joe would be able to fulfil. And he, you know, but there's so little time for, and he's got so much to work on in terms of the attack. He was able to do it with Leinster, cover all those aspects. But it may be a little bit much then to have the same voice covering all those things in defence and having Andy Farrell in to help out with that while he's working on backline attack or shape. You know, it's just, it will just take the, the pressure off a little bit and lads will have, have that extra voice in the back of their heads knowing that they have to watch that scanning and stuff. Yeah, I think Joe, Joe Schmidt did actually mention that. He said he's been a little bit stretched. Like you can only oh. imagine the amount of analysis he work, work yeah. he does. You're able to, he was able to do it with Leinster. He, has, he had them every day. But like, you have to squash everything into a couple of weeks. So it must be just intense. Yeah. Just before we move on, t talk about being a player in that position around the rock. Let's say that... Tim Swinson has made that carry, and you're you're in here. Yeah. Like, what's your decision-making process? Well, if you if you, uh, I think it's the tackler. He's got the first job. If he can get up and maybe go go for the the poach, fair enough. Or ide I think ideally, what what you're looking, the tackler gets in there. He can get up and he can go straight for the the barge, the counter rook. So you're not you're not really exposing that opportunity for a ref to penalise you. You just you go straight through and maybe. Barge, we're talking just hammer into the yeah, ground. Yeah, that's what he got the chop and then the barge. So the chop can be done by the, the actual tackler, the tackler himself, and the barge by himself as well when he gets up, or the closest defender, whoever it was. It looked like it could have been Trimble there or Earls that time, and he just barges through and leaves the steel then for the next guy if he can get it. But it looks like there's two or three. 
guys actually going for that barge, going for that counter rook, when you mass, maximum you need maybe one. Okay, so when you're having that many in on it, it's just, it's just really putting pressure on you out, outside there. Okay, well there's loads of examples maybe for Joe to, and Andy Farrell coming in to actually work with the players on that. I think Schmidt mentioned that they might actually get a week together because the provinces aren't in the Champions Cup quarterfinals yeah. or semifinals, which obviously is a blow because they're not playing that kind of high-level rugby, but if it means Ireland get a week together, that, that's great. So another one of the <coughs> points we spoke about a little bit has, has been Ireland's carry. Um, hasn't always been perfect, or that's yeah. to be expected against big teams, but <coughs> one of the things you want to point out was maybe the angles carriers are coming out. Yeah, <coughs> sorry. Uh, I, yeah, I think the carry is going to be massive in South Africa as well. Obviously, they're, they're really big defenders, aggressive line speed. There have been times when Ireland's carry has been really good, really positive, but other times there's areas they can kind of tighten up on. Um, there's generally kind of a, a couple of shapes off nine that you'd have, most teams would have them. When they're coming back against the grain, they'll have a pot of three, or if you're coming around the corner, you might have two and one hidden behind waiting for the ball back inside. But both times, whoever is carrying the ball needs to be looking at getting a kind of like a, an outside arc. So whoever it is carrying, he's looking to step outside the first receiver, the defender here. He's looking to step outside them with a bit of footwork and tie in possibly this, out, this guy here to come in and he can free him for, for a possible offload. And it just means the clear out is easier. Okay. Otherwise, if sometimes when Ireland's carry isn't great, they're looking, the ball carrier is looking at he's stepping back inside here where they're stronger. And it's easier. Easier as well, like you're saying, for the for the inside defender to get over the ball. You know, if if you do that, and it's also harder for the clear out for for these guys, your supporters, they're having to adjust back in here. You know, it's just going to be slower ball. Mm. But the man who's brilliant at doing it is is Stander. He's just awesome, and he slip as well. Is that footwork, that little arc off nine? And I think it was Rory Best in this instance. Yeah, he just gets the feet out that outside arc gets outside the first defender, and it gives an easier clear out. I think it was Donica Ryan and possibly Dev Toner just to get a quick clear out, quick blow pass, and it's set up then for Sexton to feed Heaslip for that brilliant breakthrough to, to do O'Donnell. So yeah, it's, it's a tiny detail, but yeah. it makes a world of difference. It's a huge difference. And we got, we got turned over, I think, I think it was maybe Rory Best and Tommy O'Donnell early or is in the first half, where they're carrying off nine. They're just under pressure, maybe a bit flat taking it, and, and they're stepping back inside to where they're strong. And Ross Ford, I think, gets one steal, and there was another steal as well. So it's just a small detail, but I think, if the ball carrier can work on that footwork to get outside that first receiver, it frees you up so much. It frees up if it, if it is a rook, it frees you up for a quicker ball, or it also makes this guy tie in and a possible little tip on, like we saw Dunnick Ryan do in the opening minute, um, to Stander, because we're going to need that little variation against South Africa. If we're running back in hard where they're strong, you're going to get eaten alive. And I have a feeling if Stander is carrying some of those they're going to go, go after yeah. him to kill him because the South African thing. So you got to work with little, those little variations, little tip-ons, little ball, balls out behind the back, but we've got to be able to get outside rather than back inside. I yeah, because like one of the reference points <coughs> for Ireland going away is New Zealand's win over South Africa in the World Cup semi-final, I think. Like it, was, it was poor conditions. New Zealand played yeah. a really focused game plan. They kicked the ball 33 times, which was a, a peak for them in the World Cup. Yeah. And Namibia only were the only team that, who kicked more in a, in a single game. But also... They, they actually won that physical contest against South Africa, not by actually smashing into them, but by being smart. Like, yeah. like you're saying, use the footwork, get to the outside, and beat those big heavy South Africans around yeah. the corner next time, or that tip on pass, which New Zealand do obviously better than anyone. Yeah. I, I certainly believe that Ireland have the forwards to, 
to do that more. Donegal Ryan shows it. Obviously, there's less pressure on there. Scotland defence was a little bit passive, but they have those skills. Oh, I think so. I, like I've heard people giving out about the Type Five, but Donegal Ryan, Dave Toner, Rory Best, Jack McGrath—they've all got those that ability to give those little plus passes, to give those screens behind the back. But they've also got, we've also got Heesop Stander, O'Brien, that can really come around that corner hard with that footwork and get that arc, get outside defenders, and really cause teams problems. And you know that's the beauty of rugby. You've got that variation. You've got to be able to identify when it's on. And we don't need to start, you know, panicking. Oh God, we're we're running off nine. It's a disaster. You know, one out runners. One out runners is the essence of what rugby is about. Essentially, you've got to start off strong there, and then you can go wide afterwards. Every team does it. You know, England did it. Dan Cole, the, their, his try, which wasn't a try, by the way, that was all off nine. The pressure came, you get the lead, John, you get a score. So let's not panic. Let's enjoy the physical confrontation aspect that this needs. Um, but there's also small little detail that we can enjoy looking for, and against South Africa, we're, we're going to need it, I'd say. Yeah, if you can copy the All Blacks, you're, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. One other thing we want to touch on, briefly enough, was, was the set piece. Against the box, that's always key. Like They'll be targeting our set piece. They'll think they're going to munch our scrum yeah. and steal our ball. They'll look at what England did to the Irish line-out uh, with George Cruz and, and Mario Toja picking off our ball. Yeah. F for you, is, is, that a, is that a concern maybe going away? Um, well, it's got to be something the lads are aware of, I'd say, especially, again, we talk about the 22. I think we lost three or four against England in in around that area and when you get there you got to have that platform and it's just about reading I think maybe what was happening that day Cruz and Etoja were marking the middle and the tail and we were just a little bit reluctant to go to the front we've got to be able to I think Toner is a brilliant caller and so is Dunnick around you got really experienced people there they'll know that if it's on at the front we're just going to have to take it and, and there was a couple of times they're trying to back themselves just to, to get that, probably to had something on in terms of whether the drive or a possible appeal around the back that you're forced to actually try and get win it there. But ultimately it's about securing the possession. And there's a real knock-on effect if you lose that platform in the 22 and you get let teams off the hook throughout the side, you can have a real momentum killer. So it's got to be, you know, absolute bankers in that area of the field that you secure the ball. But generally, I think throughout, like in the last couple of games, obviously Italy and Scotland weren't putting us under as much pressure. But South Africa will be going after us there, so we just really have to be 100% on the button there in that area. I think it's about being a little bit adaptive, maybe, and that probably reflects the Ireland approach in general. Like, gotta get those heads up and make the right decisions, and, and they have done it. Andrew Trimble said after yeah. the Scotland match, look, we're actually reading faceway better, we're making better decisions. So I think the more they can improve on that against a far superior opposition, uh, the better. Yeah. Now speaking of that set piece, we're going to look maybe at possible selections for Joe Schmidt yeah. over in South Africa. Obviously, a few months away, and injuries are going to be massive, yeah. as they always are. We saw in the Six Nations that your best laid plans mean nothing really. But the scrum is going to be essential. Mike Ross came back in midway through the championship, and he pinned that scrum, didn't he? Absolutely, yeah. Um, and that's got you know it's got to be the bottom line with your front row. And Jack McGrath, Rory Best, and Mike Ross have performed that. And Jack McGrath is offering so much as well now. He's just absolute leader at the moment for us. So I don't think you'll see much disruption in that front row. Hopefully Keane Healy will come back now and start pushing as well because we do need his impact from the bench or possibly even starting like he was. But Jack McGrath fulfilled that role fairly brilliantly, I thought. And you know I don't see much change there in that front yeah. row. The, the backup tight head slot is maybe interesting. Nathan yeah. White's in there now at the moment. He started the, the first couple of games. Marty Moore has, has been the, the back up and we thought probably Ty Ferling was going to push through a bit more in the championship. He seems to have been maybe negatively affected by that, that France game. 
Yeah, he was probably, I, it, was hard, it was a bit of a scapegoat on it. I think there were, the talk was trying to keep straight and, and, and keep square as much as possible. When the French started chasing, maybe he went in after. But I think to put, pick out one person is very harsh. I thought all the, all the pack need to take that on the chin, all eight, in terms of allowing that to happen. So, you know, the, the backup is interesting. Who's it going to be? You know, it'll all depend. And I think this will be for the case for the rest of the team what the form is like in the Pro 12 with injured lads that were injured coming back, with Marty Moore coming in back in, with Henderson, hopefully, Matt O'Mahony and these lads, how they're playing when they come back, what kind of form they're in to see who's going to be pushing. So moving on to centres, pretty well established there. Stuart McCloskey did get, get a game in, in, in Twickenham, but it's going to be hard to break up that mix. Yeah, we were saying, like, it's, it's, it's wondering whether we even bother talking about it, but it has to be a factor in terms of his impact off the bench at some stage maybe or during the three games or at some stage he might be someone that will have to start because of that versatility factor he possibly won't be on the bench so yeah you could be looking at one of the three tests you could have a, a, a combination of McCluskey and Payne you know I don't know but then you're leaving out Robbie Henshaw I, I just it's hard to see what coming how it work because I don't see him dropping either of Payne or Henshaw but when are we going to get to see McCluskey yeah. then it's a problem I'd love to see. The, I'd love to see him get a maybe the third test if the t series is gone, or yeah. even the second test would be interesting. Yeah. Where do you stand on the on the backup hooker place? Because I know it's probably one of the things I get tweeted about most often. Like, why is Sean Cohen not on the bench? Yeah. Obviously, he always makes an impact when he comes on, and he probably comes on the type of game where he can make an impact. That Schmidt picks him against Italy because he knows his pace is going to be better yeah. there. But Strauss, you can't overlook his solidity. He came on the last day, threw the ball really well, yeah. mauled really well hit the rock really well. Those things are massive against that. Yeah, and he's brilliant over the floor as well. There's going to be consider all those consider. I, I really like that though. It must be so frustrating for or for Sean Cronin and Strauss to be in and out and not sure why. But it really keeps um, it keeps people on their toes. It keeps tr training really fresh and it keeps lads, you know, just hungry. Um, but a factor against South Africa, I, I think remember what the South Africans went out and targeted Strauss. They really went to batter him. Is that going to be a factor? Is it something that we can use in our advantage to have Strauss coming on off the bench and they're going to be, they're going to be all out gunning for him? Same with, with Stander. Because that's the kind of mindset the South Africans have. You'll have to consider all those factors. Um, you know, with all those things thrown into the mix, probably Strauss would give that solidity. But I, I just love what, what, um, what Sean Cronin brings. And three tests, there's definitely going to be a role for both of them. Um, throughout those three tests. Yeah, maybe Sean Cronin at the lower altitude when there's going to be a bit yeah, more running. things like that, yeah. Um, so, so we're looking at probably an unchanged front row. Front row. Second row is really interesting. Ultimate Lance come through, obviously, in his championship. Toner finished really strongly, and Donica Ryan hit form again. But the big factor is Ian Henderson. Is he going to come back fit? If he does come back fit and, and shows the form that he has shown in the Pro 12, where do you see that, that second row going? Oh, it's so hard. And, and we nearly forget how good Mike McCarthy was in the f opening two games. He's like... We've got so much choice there, and McCarthy was is obviously gone. I think for the rest of the season with that concussion, so yeah. it does narrow it down to those three, but uh, or those four. It all depends on how well Ian Henderson plays when he comes back. I think it was was it a hip or it was his hamstring? Hamstring. One, yeah. You know they they can they can be killer blows. Like it affected Healy's pace. We don't know how lads will come back. It's a big challenge to see how explosive he comes back from that, because those two lads, Toner and, and Ryan, I think they've been outstanding in the last couple of games yeah. and the partnership is really it's really taken shape in terms of what Dunica Ryan brings the engine he has the aggression and the, the closeness I feel in the characteristics to O'Connell I think he's someone you got to have in there 
and Damon Toner, obviously, you know, a serious operator. He's one of our better handlers as well, on top of how good he is in the lineout. So for Henderson to come into that mix, he's going to have to produce it's close to the form he had. It's not an automatic thing, and you know that's why we're going to keep an eye on the Pro 12. Yeah, it was really interesting. Actually, I read an article about Steve Hansen there recently. He's he's moved into the mindset that one of your bench options has to be a lock. Uh, blindside hybrid. Yeah. He's actually trying to find a player who can do that. Now, Joe Schmidt probably has one ready Great built in, yeah. in, in Henderson can do that. But look, if he if he's back to his outstanding best, you, I think you've got to start him against South Africa, especially with their, with their physical. Would you put him in the second row? I, I put him in the second row yeah. with Devon, I think. Um, mm. I think it's complimentary. I think Toner can run that line out. I, think, I just yeah. think you need that explosive power and he's got the footwork and he's got that breakdown. It's, yeah, well look it's great he has the breakdown work. He's, he's great at the barge as well and he's so annoying to play against. But I think we'll it'll all come down to we'll see how they play. Yeah, yeah. You know. I mean that affects everything. The back row yeah. has finished really nicely and it's come to a nice place. Sean O'Brien if he's fit again at seven, he's mm. he's world class and you, you have to have him in there I think. Um, yeah. but Sanders really put his put his marker down and, and Peter O'Mahony's a guy who even at the same time you say he's he's missed. Uh, we need him back in there as leadership, his his line out probably yeah. as well. Where do you, how do you, how do you get that balance again? See, it's tricky. Like Hesop has really ste stepped up in terms of his defensive lineout work. This and and he's kind of covered off that strength that Omani has, has had. So there's massive pressure, I think, on Omani to to, cha to challenge again. It's so hard to say that, like, because Stander has just been unreal, and that combination there of Stander, Heeslip, and possibly O'Brien. That's at, you know. That is some some I would be leaning towards that, obviously depending what kind of form a man he is going to be in. But you know, Heeslip and, and and Stander in particular were just they were all probably best two players overall, along with Sexton in the background there. Yeah, it's very hard to see that being changed. You know, Sean O'Brien, pending you know in form and, and injuries when he's coming back, he'll definitely like you said, you put him in at seven, even though. Van der Fleer and, and Tommy O'Donnell did really good jobs, but you'd have O'Brien nailed in at seven, and then you're just looking at, you know, how you how you combine the other two. But I, I just, it's going to be so hard for yeah. Manny to dislodge. I think you lean towards Sandro. I actually would lean towards Peter Manny. Yeah. I just think with his leadership element as well. And I think that's what will happen. Yeah. 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 Th those three in the back row, halfbacks are pretty much nailed on. I don't think we really need to talk about that too much. It'll be interesting to see if Jackson travels as the second. Yeah. Back up. Because Schmidt has mentioned, look, Madigan's going away to Bordeaux. He's almost out of the picture. He mentioned Jack Cardi. He mentioned other out halves as well. I think Jackson on the bench would be really interesting. Centres again, you can't break up that partnership, can you? We, we all want to see Payne at 15, but realistically. Yeah, no, there's no point. Re well, you can talk about it, but it's just probably not going to happen. I think what what they have offered is is really good in terms of just that read and that communication stuff. Now, maybe there are... There are elements that when Zebo, when Zebo, we can talk about Zebo in a second, when he steps in a first receiver, if we could have one of those two guys stepping in a first receiver every so often, it could take a little bit of that pressure and we see a little bit more of that playmaking ability that we used to see back in the O'Driscoll days. But you know, I think everything else they offer is, is really solid and effective. Um, so I don't see it changing. Yeah, let's, let's talk 15. So Zebo's come in there and he's been really effective in attack. Rob Carney, I don't think he hasn't been at his previous levels. I don't think the injury has helped him. Like he's had that kind of recurring problem with his hamstring. We don't even have real clarity around what's happening there, but mm. he doesn't look as comfortable an attacker. He's getting tight to his 13, and then you see Zebo on the pitch, and you realise, wow, he's given them real extra width, and he's actually interested in that opposition 13. Rather than just being able to smash in on the centres, he's actually broadening the whole pitch. Are those attacking strengths worth giving up for the solidity, I guess, that Rob Carney has? Yeah, but I think you're going to South Africa, and you're going to need that aerial 
skill. Like Zebo's quite good in the air as well, but Carney's still second to none there, and that's a massive factor that South Africans will be putting it up there. You know, you're right. I think it all depends. It's like we're saying for the pack. It all depends on Rob Carney's form when he comes back in the Pro 12, because he knows now he's going to be. He's under a bit of, to, to find that form. Um, but I would still lean towards Rob Carney for those reasons of the solidity and aerial skills against South Africa. We just can't afford any any small defensive errors, errors to let them into the game. Yeah, he needs to get back fit and, and show that kind mm. of attacking stuff. Because he, he did have that to his game, and I think it's maybe faded a little bit. And the final wing positions, Trimble and Earls had a good tournament. Uh, Schmidt has mentioned Tommy Bow a few times during the tournament. He said he's a guy who's coming back in. Again, if you're looking at physicality and aerial contest, yeah. then Tommy Bow's a really exciting guy but also Luke Fitzgerald's in, in that mix as well. Again, hard to call. What's your... What's your Again, it's the form issue. When the, like I would be leaning towards one of those two, at least Luke Fitzgerald or Tommy Bow, because they have, that, they have that kind of Anthony Watson pace, that electric finish as well. Probably a little bit yard faster than Trimble or, or, or Earlsey. So one of those two, I would say, got to be in there. And, and Luke Fitzgerald does give you that extra option as well, that kind of Simon Zebo ability to step in confidence, look, at, look for it off night and, and threaten. So maybe just to freshen things up on the wing, one of those two, Fitzgerald or Tommy Bowe, depending on form again, to get in the mix Make there. A Make, Make a call. call. I'll go with Luke Fitzgerald. Okay. If he, yeah, if he can get in there. Uh, Luke Fitzgerald and probably Trimble okay. on the wings. Interesting. Loads of, loads of interesting calls for Schmidt ahead. Um, overall, Six Nations wraps up with a third place finish, as, as Schmidt kind of yeah. predicted. Um, lots more challenges ahead in, in 2016 and exciting times. Thanks to Jarvis for coming in. Uh, no worries. Really Sounds enjoyed your insight as always. Thanks. And thanks everyone for watching. We'll catch you soon.